Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. My name's Jerome, if I haven't ever got a chance to meet you. Uh, excited to share God's word with us today. You know, we're in a season here as a people that is known as Christmas. And Christmas has uh, in a, you know, a way to either force us to escape the day-to-day where we can kind of stuff all the emotions down because we can get busy. Or it has a way to uh, bring to the forefront what is most joyous and have these connective moments with people that are so powerful that we remember forever. And other times, if you've lived long enough, and for almost all of us in the room, I would dare venture, it can also be a time that it brings grief to the forefront. Why? Because there's someone or something that is no longer here, and therefore there's loss, and that's hard. In our life, well, you know, one of the, the kind of cornerstone, not to play off that, Example, because Jesus is the cornerstone only, but they'd be my grandma. And a few years ago, her being gone, well, it just changes the rhythm. It changes the cadence, and it changes everything. But to, to get past all of that, I think we can relate with many of those emotions, but also maybe we can relate with this thought. You can get so involved that you're never really present in any of the moments. It's like, yeah, we, yeah, I think, what did we do again? And if you find yourself, what did you do yesterday? And if it's hard to remember, one, you just might have, you know, short-term memory issues. <laughs> but for a lot of us, what was really going on is the pressure, the nonstop, the go, the Babylonian way, more, 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 more. Well, in the next two weeks today, part one and part two. I want to talk about the ministry of presence, to be fully present. And today is titled, God is Here, the Ministry of Presence. And for us to posture our souls to be present, let's get present right now. So how do we do that? Well, we're physical, we're emotional, and we're spiritual beings. So be present. One of the quickest ways that you can get present is focused on your breathing. The word used in the Old Testament for uh, breath and and soul are uh, sometimes interchanged in their use. Breath, soul, centers us, present. Think about how you feel in the seat or wherever you're at listening or watching this, how you feel right now. Is life heavy? Is it light? And wherever you're at, be fully present in this moment. And to be present in this moment, we're going to look in a text, one specific verse, and we're going to go to the Gospel of John. And John is an eyewitness who, in his Gospel, is, uh, gives different notes or flavors than the other Gospels. It's personal, it's poetic, and it's powerful. And if, if the Christmas message was really ultimately about, it's never about a tree, it's never about any type of planning or fest 
festivals or festives that we're doing or what we're going to... No, no, no. It's really about one story, one message, one person. And if we were going to open that present, present, it's about God's presence is present through Jesus. I know that might be a little bit of a tongue twister, but I hope not. And I recognize that there's a captive audience. And to, to hold one's attention, there must be a, a, attention. And I pray that we would all lean in today, but I want to make it loud and clear. My goal is not to, to communicate or simply inspire. My goal is to hopefully impart and, and, and convey God's message in such a way that we would all behold it that it would transform us and form us more into the image and likeness of Christ, that it would not be a mundane exercise that through formality, we get it like, okay, well, I get it. Yeah, God sent Jesus and we got Jesus now and he's no longer in the temple. God's presence is everywhere through me. It's like, no, 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 that's legendary. It's so game-changing that God's presence is present in Jesus. So today, that's where we're going to focus. Part one is about how God showed up, the Christmas story, and then now how that continues next week, part two. We're going to John chapter one, verse 14. If you want to take notes, you can take notes. You can pull out your phone and it gives you, uh, you know, a higher, a higher ability to retain. That's what we always say, that the weakest ink is better than the best memory, and it's optional, it's my opinion, but, but even just writing something down. And there's no condemnation in the weeks ahead. Uh, if you ever want to bring a journal or just pull out a note folder, you might not be equipped today, or you might just be sitting here and enjoy the presence of God, and you're just maybe even starting to fall asleep. Wherever you're at, I just pray that you would maybe uh, retain this information. So John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this sentence, this single verse, is so dense. It is dripping with the story of heaven meeting earth. God becoming one of us, fully God, fully man, Jesus. And you might wonder in Christmas, there could be a question where like, picture for a moment, you're at your house, you know, you get a package or you're getting ready for something. And a lot of times if you aren't prepared for whatever guest is going to come, you don't want to be, just have a random guest show up. And if it is the package person, you're kind of like, leave it on the porch. I don't know if that's you, DoorDash, Uber, leave it on the porch. That's me. You know, little uh, minimal social interaction. I enjoy introvert time. I enjoy kind of off the grid time. And you'll give somebody some peace from, from a distance and be like, yeah, just leave it on the porch. And, 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 and if a guest comes over and knocks on your door and you look and they're like, they're there to come. And if it's a friend and somebody you trust that you know, it's just like, oh, see me as I am. But there's another side. If it's somebody you don't know and you want to impress, you want to clean up real quick. Fair, fair. So when you think of who's knocking at the door, well, if it's God, you'd think, well, no way. And in Christmas, sometimes we stop and we say in life, and the story of maybe all of humanity, and we're still wrestling this question today, is where is God? 
There's no way he's coming. Is God, God's at the front door? No. So if it's not him, then where is he? Well, this passage talks about where God is. And we're going to go back to the beginning of the chapter and notice the language of how it starts. Verse 1, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. Where's God? God is in the beginning. And the word was with God and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, you might notice in that language, in the beginning, very poetic, holding the attention. You could picture sitting around a campfire and telling a story. Tell us more. Where's God? You open it. Where's God? In the the beginning. Well, how far at the beginning? The beginning. At the beginning? At the beginning. Well, surely there had to be a beginning to the beginning. No, the original beginning. Well, when did that begin? And we can do that, exha- uh, the, that exhaustive exercise forever where if, if there's a God who created God, well, if you do it the other way, and, and if someone takes an atheist view, if there's creation or substance or matter, well, then how did we get creation and substance and matter? (laughs) So I think the only plausible exercise of critical thinking would find us at best agnostic as apart from conclusive saying there is no God. That would just, just from something about that in my brain feels that's impossible because we're here. Now, I might not know the beginning of the beginning of the beginning, but the Bible makes it clear. In the beginning was God, the Word, the Logos. That's the Greek word there, that the Word, God. But if you notice, it's the same language as the Scriptures all the way sought back to in Genesis. In the beginning. It's to get our attention. Why? The gospel according to John is trying to show us that there's a, coordinate, there's a correlation between the very beginning and what Jesus is about to do. That's setting the stage for when you could go back and remember when heaven and earth overlapped, God and man dwelled, Eden, right there, such a time and space, bow, dwelt. Well, if you know the story, it stopped. God's presence wasn't with man from our disobedience as we disobeyed God. Sin enters the equation and we're, look at Genesis 3, we're pushed out. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned away to guard the way to the tree of life. And what this means is this, that we dwelt with God in the beginning, Adam and Eve, God dwelling with man, heaven and earth right there. But because of sin, disobedience, we have been cast out. And it can seem unfair, but God is just, he is holy, and he's perfect. 
And if the story ended there, we would be unable to get back to God. Everyone is born into sin. The causes and the effects of sin is death and ultimately unrepented sin that has not been atoned for has separation eternally from the one that we're created and meant to be in relationship with. The good news isn't good and sweet until we understand the severity of how bad the climate is previous to the Christmas story. There's, we're not able to have presence with God anymore. And we see glimpses throughout, through God's rescue plan and through Abraham and a seed would eventually come that would destroy the evil one and that God's people were set apart, but only set apart because of the presence of God. And that God's presence would also then travel, maybe a tabernacle, be temporary, and then be carried, but then ultimately at one point would be in a temple that Solomon would fulfill this moment where God's presence was, where, where heaven and earth would meet to dwell with mankind. And there would be a, a, a forgiveness of sins in through the sacrifice of animals, through the high priest that would only offer temporary atonement, temporary payment. And that ultimately our souls would long for, is there the anointed one? Is there somebody that can stop this perpetual cycle of total depravity that we are unable to make ourselves right? We cannot get back to Eden. So therefore God had to come to us. I know at some level you're like, yeah, I kind of know this. I get it. I want a felt need. Tell me what happens today. How does this play out in my own life? Well, no. Just think, keep the main thing, the main thing. Tis the reason for the season. Put the Christ back in the mist. So we have a mass, a Christ mass. And here we are to have God's presence. Now, God's presence showed up uh, to his people and in places, as I had mentioned, and one uh, particular individual being Moses, he, he knows that he does not possess anything strong in his own ability. There is a level that even coming back and being gone from an ear surgery and getting ready to, which I'm grateful, I hear better. Thank you for your prayers for those that knew and those that did it. Man, your boy is doing well. It's awesome. And I'm here. So I'm grateful for the medical team that puts you under and then puts a prosthesis to replace one of your hearing bones, like, okay, talk about trusting humans, uh, then God's hand on them. So it's like, okay, we're partnering, right? Yes, amen, amen. And here I am, as I know, preparing for today, there's nothing in my own skill set or my own ability that could make things grow in ultimate ways or eternal ways. So just as uh, I would relate with Moses, as we're going to go to Exodus 33, that look, God says, what makes you different, I'm going to remind you. It's my presence that will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence, this is Moses responding to God, if your presence will not go with me, and do not bring us up from here, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct I and your people from every other people on the face of the planet. What? The whole earth, what makes us distinct, Moses knew this, was the presence of God. What's on your Christmas list this year? 
Ice maker? Let's go. You want an ice maker? Look, I believe that God hears the prayers that are specific. We ask big and we ask again. But for my illustration, I think this is a good point. We have some things we want, and I hope you get that. Somebody wants to maybe say your cash app, and maybe people can give that. But at some level, I, I associated Christmas with the present. And there was a level of entitled and maybe even spoiled, and you see things, and now the ads on TV. I, I don't know if it was worse. There was only like four channels when I was growing up, or now there's 40 billion now. And um, so maybe there's just overwhelming amount of information, so there could become just, I don't even know what I want. But then if you saw a commercial and it was the first time that it ever happened, example, Nintendo, four-player adapter, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade edition, like, mom, I don't even know if we can pay our bills. I don't care. I want this $300 item. That's it. That's all I want. So much so that, shout out to Amy V, she would go out of her way to make sure to make sure their kid's list was fulfilled and their present was given. And, 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 but yet in some ways, I think about Christmas. Man, there's only one present that really matters if you opened it up. It's God's presence. It's Jesus. We're complete. We don't need anything more. We got them. And you know, that's where the scripture talks about, like give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And though I'd, I'd probably known that maybe from outside, but the, the Holy Spirit hadn't worked yet. I couldn't see, I couldn't hear. And then after I become born again, I, I see and I hear differently. And then I'm at Speedway and I'm pumping gas. And if you get a full tank or whatever, you get a Christmas CD for 99 cents. So fill up the tank, get a Christmas CD for 99 cents. I didn't have worship albums at the time. So the first Christmas I was ever a part of, I'm worshiping to a Speedway CD, bawling my eyes out on the way to Christmas at Grandma's house. But you know what's crazy, to be honest? If I heard that CD today again, I'd be like, skip that. <laughs> Songs are whack, I heard it before, move on. Because it's just start taking for granted. We get entitled. We get spoiled. We forget the reason for the season and the present. That God's presence with us in Jesus. You know, presence there, the Greek understanding would be to be face to face. Picture being face to face with God. And again, you might be holding on to that question. Well, where is God? Fair. <laughs> Let's go right back to verse 14. Where is God? In the word became flesh, the word that was there in the beginning. Now we get, the, the, we get triune language and understanding, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that have always existed in community, three distinct, but all one fully God. And we see that, and then this text has been then moved forward into what we would know as like the Nicene Creed and to understand that, oh, these, this is what's makes us followers of Jesus, and these are the essentials, but it is understanding that God dwelled with us in bodily form, Jesus. And to, 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 to realize how crazy this is, is the divine doesn't normally uh, inhabit the flesh. When you think of the flesh and sinful people, and you could think of right now whatever is the, 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 the most audacious acts of sin, Whatever is taking place, why would God show up there? Why would he show up in this flesh? Because doesn't the Bible talk about that even our heart is deceitfully wicked and that what in us is good? Why would he come in us? 
But maybe the story of Jesus is so true and so powerful that God didn't want to be distant. He didn't want to cast us out. He didn't want to look upon his creation and say, oh, they're never getting back in. And the only way is I'm going to go back in because I created everything and I saw it as good. So to understand God's perspective is he didn't want sin to be the final verdict, the banner over our life. And so now you have God becoming flesh dwelling, pitching a tent, tabernacling among us, home. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, John is also giving us a backdrop of when Moses had the glory of God. What we know is the Ten Commandments coming from Mount Sinai and having this message of that God is abounding in steadfast love, pursuing you and me. And he's slow to anger and he's gracious. And some of this, sometimes we can think, well, is Jesus grace or, and truth? Yes. It's always the same. We can't even understand face-to-face what this type of grace and truth would feel like. Because some of us, we find ourselves wanting to share a lot of truth, but maybe we're not a lot of grace. And there's this spectrum as humans, but Jesus being fully full of grace and truth all the time. This is why he could, he could catch people in the craziest acts of sin. You know, you think of the woman caught in adultery. He didn't want to caught him. The, 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 the Pharisees, and which is snooping, and it's a whole kind of different uh, way of thought. And what are they doing? Why are they trying to catch her? But they're trying to condemn Jesus and catch him in these moments when uh, how is he going to respond to this situation? He says, thou without sin, cast the first stone. But you see these moments where interaction, he's like, where's anybody to condemn you? Neither do I. But as he also then tells the woman at the well, go and sin no more. You know, and if you watch and follow us as Christians, it's hard because we don't have a cohesive theme, especially online. Some of us might say, you know, when Jesus sat at the tables with sinners, he never became a sinner, just so you know. So don't sit at the table with sinners and don't become a sinner. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, but, but, but the other side is, I, I, I wonder when I read that, are you at the table with sinners? Because I, I think what you mean is we want to judge Yes, and he's a thermostat always. He's not just a thermometer. But we, I don't even know if we possess the own ability and our own understanding how Jesus would approach a sinner full of grace and truth. This is why it's the only single kind, the only single one full of the glory of God. When he showed up on the scene, we didn't feel condemned. Who's at the door? Where is God? Here. Here. How? Jesus, Jesus, verse 14, I'm just going to keep going back there. In the word became flesh, Jesus being the word, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And I want to call the worship team. I'm going to speak for just a few more minutes, but I'm going to call them up. And in some ways, this will just be a little open-ended. Open-ended to us to respond and think through, well, where is God? Well, 
Where is he now or where was he 2,000 years ago? Because it's one big story. And 2,000 years ago, God became flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us. And he came to my neighborhood, my home, full of grace and truth. In my wretched state, in a setting where if I was going to have people over, I would want to make sure it's clean. Given another example as a kid, um, parents get divorced at eight and we relocate from a little village uh, in Pinckney, Michigan, where if you've ever seen the show Cheers, it's kind of like where everybody knows your name. The local barber is my bar- grandpa. The local performing arts theater is the other side of my family uh, after my great-grandma. So you have the performing arts theater, who's family. You have the barbershop, who's family. And you have all of my cousins, uncles, and everybody living on, we lived on a dirt road, and several are on that dirt road. And I mean, it's all the size of a, a teaspoon at that moment. Now, Pinckney's been developed since then. A lot of people have moved in, and and I'm sure it still says, welcome to the village of Pinckney, but you don't know you're in a village when you're a kid because I have no context. And it's like, okay, what? where do I live? I I didn't know. And then we relocate, and we go to Mason. And Mason, to the Pinckney folk, was you moved into Chicago. (laughs) I remember my family and my cousins, and they were just like, what in the world? You know? Um, And I just gotten into rap music, so I remember my cousins feeling, not a level of fear, but I invited them to the house at Mason. They, they made the travel of 40 minutes and came into the house, and I started playing uh, Public Enemy. I played Sir Mix a lot. I was playing several different things on a record player. I had a handful of records, and I just remember my cousins being like, whoa. And now that became therapeutic because I don't have the same safe zone in the backdrop. I don't have the same family. And here we are now. We're in this new setting. So in this new setting, the house we were renting, I remember it had brand new siding. Brand new. So on the outside in, the place looked phenomenal. And then you develop some friends, uh, uh, friendships with with people in Mason. And now Mason, it, 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 it... my particular era, every single parent was married. Now, since you realize, oh, all their houses were messed up, I just thought it was ours. <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty. But at the time, it's like, oh, mom, dad, mom, dad, mom, dad, mom, dad, dad, dad. You know what I mean? And then, it, and then, if you want to invite somebody over to your house, you go inside their houses, and then you just start to naturally compare, and you say, the inside of my house doesn't look like the outside. It's older. There's like seventy-year-old carpet. It, it was a hundred-year-old home. And my mom doing the best she could would just keep, you know, renovating it and doing the best. And my bedroom was brand new, had a facelift. But I remember early on thinking, I don't want people to come inside and dwell in my house until it's fixed. What a shallow thought, though. I wonder, though, if God is at your door, my door, will we let him in? Are we waiting to... Oh, I'll go get cleaned. He can't dwell here. You can't stay the night here. 
If you only knew what was going on in my life, friends, newsflash is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only single kind, only single one, Jesus, to go dwell. This is the Christmas story. To go dwell where? In your home. But we got to just let him in. The presence of God in Jesus wants to show up in my bedroom, wants to sit there with me. Find me in the darkest places of my life, darkest moments, and then say, look, I don't condemn you. He's full of grace and truth, and he loves us too much to leave us there. So there's no such thing as a gospel that where we could just preach grace and grace and grace and grace. At some level, if we understand the grace of God, we would then be holy and then want to change and transform. But I pray today that to understand the ministry of presence is to simply understand that God is present through Jesus. So let's answer that question before we close. Where is God? You know where he is today and where he's always been? He's always omnipresent. God is everywhere all the time. He's available 24-7, 365. That's where God's at, everywhere, all the time. And yes, the enemy's got some strongholds in certain areas and certain places, but last I checked, all authority has been given to Jesus. So if God is omnipresent, what is the best Christmas gift ever? Ice maker, for sure, I hope you're getting it in the name of Jesus. But even if you don't get it, I pray that this is written down. The best Christmas gift ever is God's presence is present in Jesus. Come on, what kind of church are we if we feel like we need to add to that? I get the pressure. I get the, like, can, can you buy this and help us? And thank God oh, we can get gifts for people that don't have gifts. And, but at some level, I'm just, I want to punch Christmas. If there's a prayer request that comes in that somebody feels lack, that they can't get their kids something, when really we could give them the best gift ever, which is Jesus. So how do we just start to level the playing field? It's by me and you believing the main thing is the main thing. That the ministry of presence in Jesus is ultimate the glory of God hallelujah so where is God friends you know the answer God is here he's here he's here right here right now right here right now he's closer than the air we breathe Abba now if you don't know Jesus he's knocking at your door you got to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that he is God, that he lived a sinless life, lived the life we couldn't, but died the death we should have, was beaten, mocked, crucified, spit on. And as he hung on the cross, king of the Jews over his head, and then he was buried for three days and then rose from the death. Why? Why did he rise from the dead? Because, oh death, where is your sting? There's only one that could be the ultimate lamb. There's only one blood that could be spotless and permanent. And that's the blood of God. The one that dwelt to make it possible that heaven and earth can meet again. That God's presence can be here in Jesus. 
God, I pray if there's someone here today that have not let you in, that is trying to clean up their life, clean up their house, clean it up and try to get, get fixed, that they would just say, God, save me, change me. I believe you died for me. Make me brand new. Live in me and I'll live for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. And Christians, you might've heard this story of Christmas a long time, many times, many times. Maybe there was a fresh awakening today that this song temple that we're gonna sing at the end is really an on-ramp to next week's message for part two. Because if you know the story, it continues that Jesus ascends to heaven and then he promises to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would live where? Dwell here. So what kind of present is inside of you? Let's sing this song and remember that God is right here, right now for such a time as this. Dwell here. true. Well, yes, I am your home. But at the same time, it's like, well, I'm not the, the, the center of the story. It's not the good news of Jerome. It's not the good news of you. But yet God chooses to dwell inside me and you. But then our response should be, wow, there is only one, one glory that we've seen, one person worthy of all of our praise. And that's Jesus. And that's when we sing, there's only one seated on the throne. So our response should also be, but God, to you be the glory. God, to you be the honor. God, to you be the praise. So we're going to go to that part in the song, and we're just going to lift up God before we leave this place and give him all the honor and all the praise. There is one. There is one.
time, just the voices. Seated on the throne, even now, seated on the throne. He's the King of kings, he's the Lord of lords, and only he is in control. There is one seated on the throne, even now, seated on the throne. He's the King of kings, he's the Lord of lords, and only he is in control. Thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for John penning and letting us know the good news of you in a personal, powerful, and poetic way that all the way from the beginning that continues in the rescue mission to bring the dwelling of heaven and earth to meet again because of Jesus. And then to continue that the ministry of presence is able to be present everywhere we go because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, today we pray that we remember the reason for the season. It can sound cheesy, but it is ultimate. And it is the one glory deserving of all of our attention. And we thank you for reminding us of that today. We pray that it would be stamped and etched on our souls, that we'd be transformed forever. It would shape our day to day in every waking moment until you return or until we breathe our last breath. And we thank you for this body today that we can grow and be in the presence of you and in the presence of your people. God, for anybody here in a grieving season, we ask for comfort. For anybody here that's in a celebratory season, we celebrate with them. And God, we remember that we go out in unity with you as the head, leading this bride, leading your people. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. Well, friends, it was good to be back with you all. We'll see you next week, part two of the Ministry of Presence. If you're watching, you can go to the Connect link if you wanna learn more to connect with God and people. If you're in the room, go out there, don't stop before you connect with somebody. And if you wanna learn more to how to connect with God and each other here, go in the Connect Center. I would love to talk to you, pray with you. We'll see you next week, 10 a.m. at 11.30. All races, all faces, and all ages, you belong here. We're gonna keep loving this city one life at a time. And we're not gonna stop until Jesus returns and makes all